This isn't exactly a cooking show. Why do you say that? <laughs> well, we're just we're a couple of cooks in the kitchen. Uh, we've been doing this for a while, though. Do we think we know what we're going to prepare for today's entrees? I kind of want some appetizers first. And okay. I think we have some great appetizers throughout Division Three. In fact, um, we'll get to that. But mm -hmm. I got a question. I mean, what's going on, JB? I haven't seen you in forever. Uh, anything, yeah. Anything changed in your life, my life, or anything lately? Um, well, I'm now standing next to an elected official. We've got the mayor here winning a, winning an election. I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? It's, it's different. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> it's uh, an exciting time, I guess, in Balsa Spa, New York, where some people's yeah. worst nightmare, uh, depending on who you ask, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, you got a new job right at the tail end yeah. of last season. I did, yeah. It's been going great. Uh, working at Corn Ferry International, recruiting people for banks. It's kind of like I was born to do it. Got any spots for mayors? Wash up mayors when I'm done? Uh, anything like that? I am doing some stuff with a client down in Washington, D.C. I'll see if I can put in a good word for you. Yeah. Politics is not my end game. <laughs> I hate to tell you. I hope not. But it might be the end game of some of our Division Three football players, but they've still got some time, a yeah. season here to deal with a lot. And um, we got some that have dealt with a lot in terms of the last couple of years. Because let's face it, this is where the COVID graduate year is really coming into play for some schools. Yeah. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. Hey, folks, this is season 15. I'll be in the huddle. Season 15, buddy. Congratulations. Yeah. Overnight success. Only took us 15 seasons. <laughs> what the hell are your nights like? <laughs> yeah. Oof. Well, um, you got a little football here, the NAL ball, yeah. uh, which is National Arena League. And uh, the Vay just finished up their season. Congratulations to the back-to-back -back champions, all the Empire. Mm -hmm. uh, your friend Tom, uh, Tom G out there uh, was... Tom Goss. Yeah. Yeah, the guy. Yeah, he, he's one of the announcers along with our friend Andrew Santillo. Tim uh, Drawbridge, Andrew Santillo yeah. would rotate on the play-by-play, -play, and Goss was up there as color commentator. He, his inner Frank Rossi and James Baker uh, were going on there, and yeah. congratulations to him. Speaking of championships, UMHB had won one uh, when we left you last yeah. year. Yep. Uh, and now it's a question of what happens next here in 2022. We've got a lot of preseason uh, material to cover. Uh, in fact, we're going to do four shows for you. One for Region 1, one for Region 2, one for Region 3, and one for Regions 4 through 6. And that show will also include kind of a uh, prep for Week 1 games, yep. which we had a question. We'll lead off with that question right now because yeah. this is tried and true throughout the country. And uh, it was a Twitter question asking, essentially, uh, is this unprecedented, the out-of-conference major matchups that we're seeing, such as... Mary Harden-Baylor taking on Muhlenberg and Wisconsin-Whitewater. St. John's taking on Wisconsin-Whitewater, uh, among many others. Linfield's going to Huntington. We've got lots of cross-country matchups, some really huge game, 
Westminster Del Val in, in Region 1 and 2 is big. I mean, Whitworth coming to Carnegie Mellon to uh, basically yeah. do the uh, second installment of that uh, matchup. So yeah, folks, it, it's it's good. Unprecedented, maybe, maybe not. I remember the years well. when Mary Hart and Baylor Linfield were going at it in the out of conference uh, series. Mm -hmm. uh, Wesley usually took uh, some pretty big steps when they were still with us in Division Three. Uh, so it's it's up there at the very least it is up there uh, we will see what it does to the landscape because realistically let's say Wisconsin Whitewater loses to Mary Harden Baylor and loses a game in the WIAC and ends up 8-2 how do you say no to them yeah in terms of a playoff slot so the old adage of two losses need not apply. <laughs> if you're a team like that, maybe you should. Yeah. Or you will. Don't worry about that. But uh, they might still get in. Yeah. But what's your take on the scheduling? I, I, I do feel like it is somewhat unprecedented when you look at the vast number of games. Like when we get to that sort of week one preview, in every region there are some, some pretty big crossover uh, matchups. And, and I don't know. Maybe it's um, – what we've seen with the with the committee over the years, maybe it's just one of those things where these games got set up four or five years ago and certain teams have kind of risen up. But like UMHB, Whitewater, that is a stag bowl matchup. It could be a semifinal round matchup, Frank. I mean, these are some pretty heavy hitting uh, types of things. And for, for Muhlenberg to uh, go down to take on the defending champs is a big deal too. So we'll have more on that in a little bit. But um, I, I feel like you know in the thirty some odd years that I've been a D three football fan, this is probably one of the best regular season early you know one week one two three that you're going to see in a long time. For those that don't know, we are in JB's kitchen uh, down in Orlando, Florida. We were going to do something outside for these shows, and then the storms came here. And yeah, very uh, Florida of us. Yeah. Well, but you know, <laughs> your, your Florida weather's been uh, predominantly horrible uh, up in uh, the New York area and uh, New England zone. Uh, we got a little bit of a reprieve last weekend, so a lot of teams that started to report for the season were happy that things kind of let down a little bit uh, yeah. in terms of the heat level. but. Uh, we still aren't out of the woods necessarily, and so you know, take precautions, stay hydrated as teams across the country uh, during some of this heat wave. Yeah. Uh, but fall football on the way. It will be cooler. Almanac says we're going to have a cool uh, winter and uh, fall, basically. Hmm. Maybe we'll so, get some snow games in November. Bite your tongue, since I'll probably have to be out on the sideline for those <laughs> games. Well, that'll be for the weekend of the Blitzer when we're in the studio. Okay, I like that. I, I could deal with that. Yeah. A good excuse to be in the studio then. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we're going to start, as we said, with Region 1, the region most prone to snow probably in uh, that time of year. And uh, we're going to go conference by conference across the country, all 28. We're going to touch them all and tell you our thoughts on the storylines for each conference. And we're going to have some interviews scattered throughout these uh, different discussions. So... Stay tuned throughout the next week and a half or so, and we'll get you a lot of content, a lot of uh, opinions from players about what to expect from their teams. We're going to start with a conference we don't have an interview for, but we have some discussion about for sure, the ECFC in Region 1. Uh, Anna Maria was your champion last year, and they have a new head coach. I think it's Kroos is uh, his last mm -hmm. name. He's been their OC for four years, uh, predominantly high school coach prior to that, but uh, has led a high-powered offense as the offensive coordinator at Anna Maria. And the question basically becomes, will anybody take the throne from Anna Maria in the ECFC? You and I, our, our predictions say probably not. 
However, uh, I say Castleton is a team to watch. You say Dean is a team to watch. Take us through the ECFC from your point of view. Well, and I'm just remembering, too, that this is the last swan song of SUNY Maritime before they, they depart from the new MAC, and that was a big thing for this offseason. Lots of conference movement with different teams and programs. I mean, I think just like every other year, um, the ECFC will be competitive as far as you know who ultimately takes a title. There have been some um, you know players that have moved on, like the quarterback from Alfred State to he's now over at Adrian. So there could be some, some newer faces to see, um, but for the most part, you know, what Coach Mulroney and sort of the foundation he set for Anna Maria puts them in the driver's seat. Um, Dean has a new coach also. Uh, there was an interview on d3football.com about that if you missed it. Um, so lots of kind of up in the air, but the AMCATs feel like a safe bet. But, yeah, don't sleep on, uh, don't sleep on Dean or, or Castleton. Could be an interesting year for sure for the ECFC. And as you said, uh, with a little bit of the shakeup going on in the conferences, uh, we could see some interesting uh, little subplots playing out mm -hmm. throughout. Let's go to the MASCAC. And uh, really, to me, this is one of the most compelling conferences right now in the uh, New England uh, Region 1 zone, which obviously also includes the MAC. Don't forget, we'll get yeah. to them later. <laughs> we almost did earlier. <laughs> yes. We're like, boy, it seems like we're forgetting somebody. Yeah. Oh, it's the oh, MAC. Yeah, yeah. But uh, guys. the MASCAC, last year, uh, Framingham State really, honestly, shocked us. Uh, we thought they were pretty much left for dead starting 0-2, didn't really show a pulse in those games. Yeah. Had a coach, lost a coach through COVID, their retired coach came back. Yep, you know, Tom Kelly. Tom Kelly, what an amazing job he did. They ran the table and got back into the tournament. You know, somebody I got to speak with over at Framingham State, we'll talk about them first here, uh, is somebody we talked to three years ago <laughs> as they prepared for their Wesley right. playoff game in 2019, yeah. Cully Curran. He's actually a national prospect right now for uh, pro football. And uh, you can just basically Google his name, Cully Curran, and see it. He's put on some pounds uh, for sure and a lot of muscle and uh, has a, a certain swagger maturity about him that wasn't there three years ago when I was up there. Uh, it's funny, we did the interview in the same basic location. Yeah, right Coach, in the office. <laughs> Coach Kelly's office. <laughs> yep. But uh, here is my discussion with Cully Curran about, uh, I should stop now and say our theme throughout our interview sets uh, for these uh, shows will be unfinished business and second chances. So what would the unfinished business be for Framingham State with their success in winning the MASCAC? Well, here's Cully Curran to tell us a little bit more about what's going on there. Uh, we went through it last year with uh, a last minute coaching change, which kind of put Coach Kelly in a bind after he had retired. Um, and he came back and he had to put a staff together kind of last minute for us. So uh, the beginning of the season was, was a rocky start, um, but I think we had really good senior leadership last year and the young guys came along quick and uh, we dropped our first two games and it was a tough start, but um, we were resilient. Uh, we bounced back and we rang off eight in a row in the league and uh, we were able to make the playoffs again. Now you come back as a COVID senior essentially. We're yep. seeing a lot of that uh, in terms of the interviews I've been doing, but that means leadership in the defense at least is back. How many COVID seniors are there throughout the team and how important is it to the team's unity and progress to have that happen here? There's definitely a couple of COVID seniors, uh, kids that I came in with freshmen. Um, but we've returned and we have, a, we have a good, solid group, and it's huge with leadership. It, it really is. Um, the unity that we have in the team, we've been playing together for a while. Uh, we have a ton of team chemistry, which is huge, um, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to pay dividends. So 
since last time we saw you, you put on some pounds, not going to lie to you. Uh, <laughs> hit the weight room, obviously. Uh, we were doing the whole Wu-Tang Clan uh, discussion yep. with Jim Cat and Zero back then. Uh, you know, the times change, but uh, I'm looking online the other day and I'm seeing you're a pro prospect. And in the meantime, Josh Anadogo, I'm going to just mess that up. Sorry, Uno. Josh. Uno uh, is playing with the Seattle Seahawks. That kind of came out of nowhere. Suddenly, Framingham State is on a pro prospect track here. Tell me about this. How did this happen? Uh, yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, it might seem like it came out of nowhere, but um, if you know the kind of kids that are around, you know their work ethic um, and how much they mean business, it really wasn't a surprise to me that Uno got the looks he did. Um, and I think uh, with the, uh, the correct amount of work and preparation and stuff like that, the right things are going to happen. So. Well, you come back, and as I told you earlier, uh, the topic of our shows uh, this go-around for preseason is unfinished business and second chances yep. here. You must have felt like there was some unfinished business for Framingham State, despite the appearance back in the playoffs and everything. What is the unfinished business here, and what do you look to do to correct that? For me, um, the whole goal for me is to take the next step in the program. Uh, we've been a, We've had some great success over the past years in the New England region and stuff like that, but I really want to uh, help take the program to the next level, and I think that is making a run in the national tournament, which I do believe we do have the talent to do it, um, but if we, we execute and we prepare properly, I think we uh, that's the next step. What have you learned? I mean, obviously it's a tough haul once you get there, uh, and yep. the, your draws have not exactly been the easiest draws in the world either, uh, but what did you learn that could make this turn into that type of season? Uh, I think experience is huge. Experience is huge. Uh, we've definitely been there a bunch of times, um, and we haven't won those those huge matchups that like we want to. Um, so experience has been a huge factor, and really just seize the moment, just living it. Do you feel a big bullseye though? Because the MASCAC is no pushover. It seems to be getting better and better, especially the top half of the teams every year. Is that bullseye getting a little heavy here, or do you think that you guys are going to be able to shake that? No, I don't think about that at all. It's one game at a time, one week at a time. Um, we're going to bring our best. So, Okay, well, uh, listen, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Uh, I think we did it last time. If we didn't, I apologize. But for yep. any shout-outs you want to give to any friends or family, et cetera, Kelly Curran, uh, for, you know, what the – well, I, I guess four years, five years, depending on how you look at all this uh, yep. stuff that happened to us, go right ahead. Parents, teammates, coaches, thank you for coming. Nice and simple. Yes, sir. Good luck, my friend. Appreciate it. And before we uh, end with Framingham State, Coach Kelly, you alluded to it before. Mm -hmm. He left, came back, and uh, he seems to be intent to stay as the head coach this go-around at Framingham yeah. State and as athletic director as well. Uh, he's uh, pretty open and honest about what happened and how it happened. So here is Coach Kelly. Let, let's go through last year. Uh, what happened? How did you get back into this spot? Well, got back from vacation at the end of July. Uh, had hired a, a coach to replace myself. It was time for me to kind of pass the, the mantle off to, to one of my guys. And uh, at the last minute, two weeks before camp, uh, he went on to bigger and better things. And so... Bigger and better than this? Oh, yeah. You know, it's, you know there's, there's bigger and better things than this, believe it or not. But so we had a decision to make. And so... Uh, one of the guys that was still left, I said, okay, let's put the coaching staff on the board. Uh, I wasn't comfortable with it, so I decided that I was going to come back. But I had to go home and, and tell the boss 
And uh, she, she that, said that to me... That sounds like a lead balloon in the making right well, there. Well, you know, it, it's, a, it's a pretty good story in that, you know, so I go home, talk to my wife, and I said, here's the deal. The job opened up, and I'm back. She goes, Tom, <coughs> I feel bad for you. I know you turned the page, and, you know, you're ready for the second part of your, you know, your life and all that stuff. I feel bad for you, but I'm so happy for me. <laughs> she, she said, <laughs> she's, she's our biggest fan, but she also likes me being out of the house 80 to 100 hours a week. So, you know, it's uh, as they say, it's cheaper than a lawyer. What, what's your wife's name? Jackie. 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 I feel for you. Yeah. Yeah, at least when he's, uh, you know, but, at home, I but, hear you. But she was happy, and, you know, coming back, wasn't sure whether... You know, I was going to be a one year, one and done again. But you know, dealing with these guys, I, I you know, I got rejuvenated during the the pandemic and all that stuff. And uh, I, I'm so proud of last year's team. I can't even begin to tell you. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. You know, they, we were shorthanded on yeah. on the on the coaching staff. Uh, we had a couple guys leave us during during the season on the coaching staff. Every obstacle that we threw in these guys' ways, they, they rebounded. We got whacked in our first two games. Yeah, you did. You know, sec our third game, now we're into conference play, and we get UMass Dartmouth, who's a great football team with great athletes and great coaches. First play, I think we fumbled the, in the initial series. It might have been the first play. Their, their first play, 70-yard touchdown touchdown pass and I'm going holy mackerel I said I don't know <laughs> I'm thinking what do I say to the team I, I can't remember losing three in a row yeah. in a long time and these kids dug their heels in and they didn't you know and, and they just overcame every obstacle that, that was in their way and I couldn't be prouder of a group of young men than, than those guys last year. Well, what was the recipe? I mean, like you said, you, those two games, I wrote you off as dead. I'm not going to lie to you. Yeah. JB probably did as well. Yeah. And, I mean, okay, even with the one win versus UMD, that doesn't necessarily mean turnaround. It could have been any given Saturday moment. What specifically was the chemistry that I, made us happy? I think we've built a culture here where, where you know, these guys overcome a lot. And we're, we're hard on these guys at every turn. And I, I think that they it had nothing to do with me. It, it was the chemistry of the team. It was, the, as colleague Kern said earlier, uh, it was the chemistry, it was the, it was the leadership, and we have great leaders here. I, I've been so fortunate that, you know, we have coaches on the field. Cully Curran is one of the finest young men and finest leaders that I have ever coached. And I'll never forget that guy, I'll tell you. He seems less timid than he did three years yeah, ago, yeah, that's for sure, yeah. and which is a good thing uh, for him. But boy, when he speaks, mm -hmm. the team pays attention. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, and we had, you know, Una Juego, we had Uno with us, and we had, you know, we didn't lose a heck of a lot of guys from last year, you know, through the pandemic. It's certainly a different team than we had last year, but. You know, got guys like Cully and, and some of his teammates, I, I think that we're, we're going to be okay. How proud of you are you of what Uno's done kind of for a lot of people out of nowhere? And, yeah. I, you know, Cully can tell me it didn't surprise him and the team and everything else, but it surprised a lot of people in Division Three. They didn't we're, see him coming. Like yeah, we, we had a lot of, you know, we've had a lot of great players over the years. And it started with James Muirhead. He got signed by the Rams and went to their rookie camp. We've had a lot of guys in pro days. 
And uh, in 2019, we had Jake Marr here, the tight end. He was like a three-time All-American. So we had all 32 teams in our in our camp in our practices. So they got they got a peak. And, and poor Jake got caught up in the pandemic year, and I think there was problems with rookie camps and all that stuff. Yeah, and there was a lot of but people like. But while that. they were here, guess what? They 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 saw a peak at Uno. Yep. And Uno was one of those guys, he never took a playoff, he, he, he was one of the hardest workers, as Cully is, as a lot of our guys are. So that kind of spills over year to year, and, and everybody picks up the mantle, and especially the upperclassmen, okay, it's my turn to be, be the guy. So I think that, that has a lot to do with what our program's about. We had him on after the WestCon game, I think it was three years ago, and uh, he was phenomenal, uh, yeah. and somewhat comfortable with uh, even you know us uh, throwing the spotlight on him back then. So uh, yeah. we're rooting for him for sure, send oh, him our best. absolutely. And I, I talked to him after the game, and he, he was pretty happy with his performance. And Just missed and a sack, too. He, he missed a like. sack, and he said it, it was really the tackle. That, you know, <laughs> kind of, and you know, he, he, he had it all figured out. Good for him. He, he, he's a great football mind, and he is so focused on, on making this thing. You know, and we're, we're praying that good things happen. We all are. You know, good things happen to good people, I hope. 2022. Uh, I, I think you bring in what, like 80-ish uh, yeah. to camp, uh, yep. which sounds low compared to yep. some schools out yep. there. Yep. Uh, that makes it tougher, I'm sure, but you do have some COVID senior leadership back at least. Give me the balance here. Is, is this team ready to pick up where it left off last year, or is this going to be a tough go to start again that you might have to wait a little bit? Yeah, I think uh, we're going to have our hands full for sure. Uh, we always like to get out of region. And I, I feel that, you know, steel sharpens steel. Mm -hmm. And we get, we get into those type of games. So when we get into conference play that we're ready for just about anything we're going to see. Worth last year. Yeah. And, you know, UMass Dartmouth, you know, they're, I, I, you know I think they're going to be the team to beat again. Westcon's going to be good. Bridgewater's going to be good. You know, and I've seen, you know, what some of the recruiting classes and things. So we're going to have our hands full. And, you know, I, I, I tell the guys, you know, we're the guys with the target on our back. So every 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 game is a championship game for championship game for somebody. Mm -hmm. You know. So we always have to be prepared, and we're going to get everybody's a game in their fastball. Last question for you. You heard Cully talk about the unfinished business aspect of it, and why we're kind of talking to you guys. And he kind of said what I expected him to say. How does it make you feel to hear that, though? That they're not just satisfied with first round entry anymore. That this team wants to go into the playoffs, deeper into the playoffs. You know, we've been there. We've been close. You know, we we always get. I'm not saying a bad draw, but we get a tough draw. Yeah, you do. And that's okay because we got to play those guys anyway. If we want to get deep into the playoff, you know, uh, we, we've never had a New England game. You know, some some teams have. Some teams have had, have had easier uh, uh, draws than we have. But you know what? That's what we prepare for. That's why we play out of region early. In, in the, in, you know, we play the Brockports and, 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 and you know, all the good teams out there just because that's what we're going to face once we, we get to the big dance. You mm -hmm. know? And, uh, but, you know, unfinished business, yeah. You know, we're, we're, every week we come to win. I don't care. You know, we'll be underdogs sometimes, and you know, and that's what makes this game fun. You know, just chasing that dream. 
Well, you came back last year. I didn't know if we'd see you back this year. It, it seems like without hesitation you came back for another one. Like you said, you're re-energized, and it's great to see you because you know, you're an asset here. Thanks, Frank. And, you know, and I, and I said I, I'm probably going out boots first this time, you know, and uh, they're either going to have to fire me or, or carry me out of here. But you You're know, the AD, aren't you still? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You're going to have to fire yourself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, good luck to you on Thanks, everything Frank. here. Hopefully you see you during the season. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay, we start with Framingham State. Only 80-man roster pretty much right now in this preseason, mm. which is low by most standards. Yeah. By all means maybe they won't be repeating from lack of depth or whatever but every time you try to count them out you're a fool for trying to count them out yeah yeah they, they keep winning the conference year after year i mean I, I think the last time bridgewater did it maybe in 2016 or 17 so it's been you know five four years six years straight depending you know obviously the the covid year notwithstanding the rams are the the team to beat every year in, in this conference and they have some they, they've taken the steps. They've scheduled, you know, Brockport in the regular season. They're they're swinging for for the fences and and uh, will be favorites once again. Well, you look at uh, Uno over at uh, the Seahawks right yeah. now, yeah. and or at least while we're recording this, and you begin to ask yourself, maybe we do underestimate the talent level level that is in some of these New England schools mm. because. 15, 20 years ago, it was kind of like the laughing stock scenario. Region 1, or what is Region 1 now, the East Region back then, those New England schools, it was like, whatever. Okay, um, hey, congratulations, here's a playoff slot. We'll see you uh, after that first round game. Yeah. Uh, you know, get ready to go home. Now these teams legitimately are sitting there saying, we can win a first round game, and maybe they will. Yeah. And we'll see, because that is the unfinished business for Framingham State. But... The team to watch for me, ultimately, uh, is going to be UMD. You have uh, Bridgewater State down as team to watch, but mm -hmm. I'm going to take this one and say that Mass Dartmouth really kind of had a weird start to their season last year, ran into Framingham State yep. at the wrong time because that was a team catching fire, and they're aware of the fact that you cannot start with a loss that early in your conference schedule, and this year, Obviously, they're going to have to put that to the test right off the bat. But could this be the year for a team that had their best record in, I think, 18 years? Yeah. UMD, Mass Dartmouth. I uh, got to speak with, I want to make sure I get this right. It was Sam Alicia, the uh, linebacker for them, a sophomore. Dante Santos Avilas, or excuse me, Dante Avilas Santos. See that, Dante? I told you I screwed your <laughs> name. 18 different ways this season, right yeah. there. I'm glad I'm not the only one that messes up quarterbacks' names on this show, Frank. Well, also a sophomore. Yeah. So we talked to wow. two sophomores who were leaders last year. Yeah. And here is our discussion about last year and this year. Guys, uh, our theme this uh, preseason is about unfinished business and second chances. Seemed yes, like sir. this is a great school to start with here. Dante, uh, last year you team had kind of a bumpy start mm -hmm. but you guys were resilient and even got the bowl game and everything else exactly. a little bit of uh, ESPN coverage mm -hmm. but what did you guys learn as a team on offense mm -hmm. especially about the start of the season and how it can affect the rest of the season and how do you write the ship to become the MASCAC champs this year? I mean it's, it's exactly what you said in the beginning it's the resiliency amongst this team you know um, we got two sophomores right here and that's just a you know a minute you know, aspect of our team when it comes to the depth of our team. We got guys everywhere who can do a lot of great things, but you know, it's it's only day four, so there's a lot of room for improvement. But like you said, on the resilience aspect, it's just what we can see the potential of this team to be and how hard we can work every day, every rep, just to be better every day than we were before. Sam, 
basically week three kind of settled the entire season in terms of you know Framingham State was able to run the table in the conference. Uh, you guys end up with a better win-loss record, I think, in the end uh, overall too. It's kind of the funny uh, thing about how the conferences work, mm -hmm. but you got to start right off the bat strong. For you, you came in kind of fresh, obviously, last yeah. year, seeing things. What did you learn defensively? What is, what is this defense capable of early in the season here? Uh, man, we just work hard. I think one thing about us is that we just go out there and do our jobs. Everybody has a job that we have to do. I think everybody just goes out and executes that very well. Tell me some players that you think are going to step up this year, if you had to guess in terms of your defense. I know it's early in the preseason and all when we're doing this, but still, uh, with spring and everything else, who are some of the people to watch out for here defensively? Ooh, some of our leaders, um, J.P. Mason, uh, J.V. and Delgado, Marcus, uh, we got Makai, some of those guys. And um, we got Adam Washington, Trell, uh, Mirbot. We got a lot of guys. Sounds like uh, they're ready to go on defense. Offensively, yes, I mean, besides uh, some of the big man touchdown stuff and whatnot, yeah. what can we look forward to in 2022 on the offensive side? Um, I mean, I think you could just look forward to everything that you pretty much saw last year. You know, um, we're going to, you know, break the face with Marv, Louie, Jalen, and Charno. And then when you guys want to pack it in, you know, we got guys out wide who can do the same job equally as efficient and I feel like once we pull that together you know and we go drive by drive play by play it's going to be really special to see this team create a lot of opportunities in a lot of different ways. Coming in did you see yourself kind of being thrust into the position you're in uh, last year especially and now kind of carrying through to this year did, did you see that coming? I mean you always want to envision yourself in the top spot you know you never want to you never want to say you're a you know, you're a backup kind of guy, that's, that's my role, you know what I mean? I feel like even if you're a backup on this team, you have a crucial and important role because if you're behind the guy that's in front of you, you got to make him better every day. And if you're the guy ahead of that guy behind you, you got to be better every day so you can essentially keep your spot, you know what I mean? So it's just the fact that these guys push each other every day and there's just a lot of potential on this team and it's exciting to see and exciting to be around. Sam, first time here for me, and I'm noticing this feels beautiful, uh, and yep. it looks like a lot of work going on, because people probably can hear in the background, there's kind of a real thrust by the school, it seems like, to embrace not just football, but all the athletics here at UMass Dartmouth. What made you come here, and have you seen that kind of, I guess, embracing of it over the last couple of years in a way that's made this team want to play better and you know rise up for this school yeah it's definitely a family aspect about it man these guys are my brothers and um when I first came here I felt that right away when I stepped on the field I felt like I was really part of something we could do something with this and um yeah that's it I, I, obviously, you guys uh, know the history here. This, your last season was the best season, I think, about 18 years, mm -hmm. there, give or take. Uh, is this onward and upward still? I mean, is you guys haven't hit a ceiling yet, I'm guessing. Yeah, no, I mean, um, every day is a new day. You know, we just kind of look forward to, like I said, pushing each other every day coming out here. We actually just um, got our rings yesterday, so I feel like that's a good – Good opportunity to put that in the rearview mirror, you know what I mean? Now we're kind of on our new season. There's no more of that lingering, oh, when's the mm -hmm. ring coming in effect? Now it's just us playing ball and getting ready for WPI at our scrimmage. Yes, sir. It's a, a lot of uh, stuff to happen this season, but obviously, uh, I, if I remember correctly, you still got a little bit of a front-loaded conference schedule here, mm -hmm. so it'll be mm -hmm. interesting to watch the MASCAC uh, very early and often here, to say the least. You guys know the routine here. You guys get to uh, give any shout-outs to family, friends, oh. anybody that might be watching. 
I'll let you take the stage. Oh, right got that first. Yes, sir. Uh, first, first off, I'd like to shout out mom, dad. You know what I mean? Sino, Zeke, uh, my girlfriend. You know, uh, shout out all the people that are in my corner. I appreciate you guys. You know, we're doing this for the bigger dream, and we're just trying to get it done here. Yep. Shout out mom, dad, <laughs> my little brother Jacoby, my sister Gigi. You know yes, what's up, man? Wait, I gotta say one thing. Yes, sir. The girlfriend has a name. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend Gianna. Shout out Gianna. Gianna. Love it. <laughs> then I also got to talk to Coach Mark Robichaud about his team and really, you know, I think, what, 15 years or thereabouts, where he's really taken this team, uh, which is pretty much on the upward trajectory. Yeah, absolutely. Especially right now. Coach, good to meet you officially mm -hmm. here and also good to see this facility. This is high quality uh, facility here and, you know, I was being told stories of how it wasn't necessarily this nice. Let's start off right off the bat here. As you've kind of flowed upward in the charts of the standings, so have the facilities here and the support from the school, it seems like. Kind of walk us through what the idea here is uh, behind UMass Dartmouth Athletics. Well, that's exactly true. Um, this is my 16th season and, and you know, Cressy Field didn't always look like this. And, and we have right now some tremendous administrative uh, support, both from the chancellor's office on down, you know, through the athletic department. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great little place to play. And we fill it every week. And, and uh, you know, as, you know, especially in the last several years, um, you know, they've allowed me to increase the roster a little bit, and and, um, and that helps. And so the support here has been absolutely outstanding. Anybody that has a chance that's in this region, come on and see uh, this uh, field, see some games played here. But uh, last year, I think it was the best in 18 years, uh, win-loss record-wise, and it kind of... For some people over the last few years, kind of came out of nowhere. UMass Dartmouth was not necessarily the doormat of the mascot or anything like that, but it wasn't the team that people were going to just pick right away. And I think, you know, Stephen Gaychuk maybe helped spur some of that over the last few years, but then it falls onto Dante's shoulders. How did you make the decision ultimately to give it to such a youthful, you know, he's a great player, no doubt, but it's such a youthful player at that, put it kind of on his shoulders to keep rising here at UMass Dartmouth? Well, um, you know, Stephen Gaitchuk was a huge part of what we were doing, and, and Dante was here when we recruited him. You know, he was both a quarterback and a wide receiver, and, and we had Stephen, and, and Stephen's younger brother was going to be our backup. Yep. And, um, you know, throughout the course of the first the COVID year when Dante was first here, I kept saying, hey, Dante, man, you're too good of an athlete to be our third quarterback. Please go out and run some wide reps, wide receiver reps. Well, he'd go out and run one, and then he'd come right back to the quarterbacks. And, <laughs> and last year in game one, Stephen Gaychuk went down, and uh, Dante stepped in, and we were all scared to death. But that young man just has poise. He's an incredible leader, incredible ability, and has just taken his whole team over. Uh, and we all have his support, and, and good things are going to happen, I think. There's two things that stand out when you look at the progression of last season, honestly. The resilience was awesome to see after, I think, game five, the second loss of the season, which was the last loss of the season. But also kind of that stark reality that an early loss could cost you pretty much the conference. Sure. The injuries and everything that you're talking about early in the season last year happened, but do you think your team learned you can't take anything for granted right off the bat here, and do they have the foundation to start hot and stay hot for the season? We sure hope so. You know, and a big part of that is my staff. I've got an outstanding staff. My defensive coordinator's been here all 16 years with me, and offensive coordinator 14, special to 15 years. Great, great staff, great support, and the kids believe in what we're doing. And so, you know, we're... We had two conference losses last year, and, and uh, though we have to 
that, that that's the goal is to to make amends for those losses and so um, you know great support from the staff the kids have bought in 100 percent and we're excited a lot of people uh, had mixed emotions about postseason games uh, that weren't playoff games, uh, the bowl games, uh, and we've seen some additions throughout the country now, not just in New England or in the Northeast. Uh, what was your team's experience, aside from some ESPN uh, stuff <laughs> afterward, uh, that one, and that was incredible to see, but I mean, what did that give you in terms of maybe some foothold to say to your team, if this feels good, you know, imagine what the next level would feel. I mean, give us kind of that playback of what you said to them after that game especially. You know, leading up to that game, um, again, it's been so long since we've had any postseason experience that uh, the entire campus reached out. The, the things that the people over in food service did for us that morning and, and leading up to that event was uh, where they, they, they went way above what they needed to do and supported administratively. Our chancellor's been out here for every coin toss. And uh, he's won every coin toss, so he's, <laughs> Keep him he's, out mandated, yeah, he's mandated to come out. Um, but... You know, that, that, that's just a great experience. You know, that whole bowl game experience and, and uh, you know, Alfred State came down and, and did a great job. And we, you know, we're hoping the goal is not to have a bowl game this year, but to, to be in the tournament. So. Well, uh, if you keep going in the trajectory you're going, it's probably going to happen. Last question for you. You talked about the COVID year and a lot of teams learned a lot about themselves in it. Take us through the last couple of years from the COVID year and what you've learned to appreciate about football that maybe you didn't appreciate before that. Well, so much. You know, the, the, we were talking earlier, uh, you know, for about the last eight or nine years, we've been four and six, five and five. We've been right in the middle of, of what's going on. And, and uh, you know, the COVID, we were seven and three before COVID. And then, um, you know, our kids were still, they bought in the entire time that, that, that we were off um, during that. and. Um, you know, that, that whole year, year and a half is almost like a fog. We try to just almost forget that. But the kids were working in the weight room. They were doing everything they needed to do. They were, you know, able to concentrate a little more in the classroom. Um, you know, but in terms of, you know, what did I learn to appreciate? It's just being around these young men. You know, they, they keep you young. They're just, they're outstanding young men, and it's fun to be around them. And, and uh, so... The fact they kept the momentum they had and uh, keep trying to go up in that, you know, stratosphere of uh, playoffs with that momentum is uh, very impressive to say the least. Your leadership has obviously made that happen. Congratulations to you on what you've seen so far. But as we said, unfinished business. We'll see what 2022 leads to. All right. Thank you, Frank. Thank you. All right. That's UMD. Okay. So um, we both picked Framingham State. I picked uh, UMD as a team to watch. Any second thoughts on that? What do, what do you think? Uh, well, I think we already know that we're going to be watching UMD. I mean, they were, they were, I think, second in the conference last year, and like you said, they've been on an upward trajectory. What I'm curious to see is whether Bridgewater State, which is Framingham's big rival, can make a run and have a better, better time. Uh oh, we have a guest appearance. Go, keep going. Um, yeah. So, jeez, <laughs> you know, can the can the Eagles get things going? Or wait, are they the Eagles? Or the the Eagles are there's the Bridgewater in Virginia. Yes. There's too many Bridgewaters. Thinking, <laughs> you know. But in this case, I think you know Bridgewater State um, could be you know ready to, to make a little comeback here. We'll, we'll have to see. What do you what do you think, Ellie? What do you think about Bridgewater State? You like that pick? Hold on. Uh, she's scrolling through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You you take over there. All right. All right. I will take over and tell folks that our next uh, conference we'll talk about because I, I think we're gonna have. A lot of uh, weeks before we're for sure going to be able to tell what's going on in that mass cac. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to be an interesting conference, like I said.
but the new Mac will be as well. Yeah. And uh, storyline number one, Coach Toop leaves. He's done. Yep. I'm out of here, man. And Coach Kroll takes over, as we predicted uh, during the end of last season. Mm-hmm. The uh, yep. federal government did something right. Who knew? Yeah. Hey, first time for everything. <laughs> but uh, it does uh, make things a little bit interesting, obviously. You have a new quarterback at the helm. You end up with a new coach at the helm. And so it may open things up in the rest of the new Mac as well. Not to say they won last year the uh, conference title, but at the same time, they won games that they wouldn't have won in prior years and created a little chaos throughout the new Mac. Mm -hmm. So are we back into a situation where it's basically Springfield, WPI, MIT, uh, Catholic? Catholic is on their way out the door. This is their last season. They're going to be jumping over to the landmark. And so, yeah, why not take the title on your way out? You know, you never know. They're my pick. Catholic oh. is my pick to win uh, the new Mac this year. How about that? With my team to watch being Springfield, which probably doesn't seem like a big stretch there to say that. But Yeah, I kind of went more the the sort of the dark horse approach. And so I, what I'm really curious to see is Coach Bubna and the MIT engineers who aren't too far removed from a conference championship and a playoff spot but you know those these like super duper academic schools i mean they the covid thing i mean th- you're not going to come back and play another year of football if you're an mit guy probably so how have they been able to keep their you know their roster going and all that they seem like the biggest question mark to me they could be 10 and 0 or 0 and 10 or somewhere in between we'll see well i think there will be probably somewhere yeah, yeah. one of those three things definitely if, if they're not uh, this is a real problem i think mm-hmm. but anyway uh, MIT, uh, interesting pick. I, I just don't have the level of confidence currently on them, and so that's why I stick with Catholic and Springfield. We'll see where that one goes. Mm-hmm. A lot of storylines to play out there. The CCC. Well, now, we talked about the new Mac, which is going to have an entrant named Salve Regina coming in. Oh, yeah. But the team it will be exiting the CCC. Well, now, doesn't that provide some storylines after last year's hellacious back forth all around between essentially Western New England, Endicott, and Salve Regina, yeah. and other teams did play a role in that whole discussion yeah. as well. They did, a, they did a good Liberty League impression last year. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> and with Husson and company yeah. in there too. Yeah. Curry with uh, Coach Parsons from yeah. Endicott. Yep. I mean, they've been uh, blowing up social media. They're, yeah, they're, the Purple Rain is back. Interesting to see Coach Parsons, and I look at him and I'm like, God, I'm old. <laughs> Mm. All these head coaches that are now younger than you and me. How does yeah. that happen? 15 seasons, man. <laughs> right you are. But uh, with respect to Salve Regina, and we talk about uh, basically the graduate seniors back uh, for yeah. their last year. They're bringing the back COVID some situation. strong players. Uh, Joey Moriello, did mm-hmm. he uh, ring a bell for you? I think we've had him on the show before. Uh, once uh, or twice, at least, uh, by name. Mm-hmm. Zach Katerius, also their linebacker. Uh, got to talk to both of those okay. guys. Uh, notice in the background how beautiful it is there. Newport is amazing. It's right on the water uh, is Salve Regina. I don't know how I would have been a college student attending a school like that. University of Miami, I, I mean, I did one year of graduate school there, and I looked around, I was like, how can you do this all yeah. the time and still be a student? But, hey, they find a way, and they play football, too. Here's our interviews. Joey, uh, fifth-year senior, uh, last year had uh, kind of an up-and-down season, battling some injuries uh, in your career overall. But, I mean, a lot of people are going to be upset to see you back. Uh, you've got a COVID uh, year that you got back, as did Zach. 
Tell me about how it feels to come back and why did you come back ultimately? Because you really didn't have to necessarily. Yeah, I mean, it feels amazing to have the opportunity to come back, especially with the guys around me. Uh, the program itself has convinced me enough that this is where I want to be for as long as I can. Um, the culture here is unbelievable. We have a bunch of kids coming back for that reason is we want to win. We want to get a championship. So it's kind of a no brainer for me. I knew that I had to use this eligibility to come back. Same basic question, Zach. Why did you choose to come back? And ultimately, I mean, was it an unfinished business type of situation or what for you? I mean, yeah, you could say it's unfinished business. I mean, it's the brotherhood that really keeps us coming back. And there's so many uh, alumni who come back as well. And it kind of hurt uh, some of the seniors who didn't get to come back for their fifth year. And it, uh, our grades saw that and wanted to uh, come back to get the ring that we haven't got yet. Last year, take me through what you guys learned on defense first, uh, because you start out hot in the non-conference games and the Western New England juggernaut kind of hits you guys. It w didn't end your uh, conference chances, obviously, and you know then the end of the season situation happens, so you had a kind of a bookend scenario there. What did you learn through all of that, ultimately? Uh, we just got to play as a group. No, it's, uh, it's 11 men to the football every single time. Our coach always says, do your 111th because no one can be an individual, and that's how defenses should be played as a group. Joey, same question on offense. What, what do you think this team learned during those, uh, let's say, bookend weeks, uh, the losses, essentially? Uh, I would say just never get too comfortable. We know that we have to always keep working every single week. It's a long season, and that's why um, after that did happen, we did not fold at all. We came back and we continued to work as a team and figured out what we had to do to keep winning. Realistically, your class, your graduating class or graduate class, whatever you want to call it now, is kind of responsible for what I would call the emergence or reemergence or whatever you want to look at it as of Salve Regina football. Do you feel like you guys have put a certain signature on this program even before this year? And I mean, how do you finish out? How do you get this thing to a point where you walk away comfortably after this year? Yeah, coming into this program, it's always had the winning culture. It's always been a thing here. It's one of the main reasons why I did come to Salve. So that was really cool. Um, after my freshman year, I realized that this program is no joke. We're, we, they mean business and I wanted to be a part of it. So going through those four years, um, it's just been successful seasons every single year but this year we want to have it to be the best it could possibly be we want to win a championship and we know that we've put on the younger kids that we're here to play we're here to win and we're not taking it any other way Zach same idea yeah kind of like Joey said uh, the younger kids are seeing uh, how much we flow together I mean like our grade has come together so much and we're just out there having fun like if obviously football is the best part about it but we've clicked uh, together as a group and just having fun doing it last question Coach Cole Martin, who walked away, so we, we've got our uh, ability to say whatever we want about him right now. Uh, how much did he contribute to the idea that you guys wanted to come back to this thing? I mean, he's awesome. He, he really he really puts the fire under you. Like, really makes you love football as much as we do, and I'm sure everyone can attest, especially uh, the people who did come back and wanted to play an extra season. Joey, I heard him during the during the walkthrough. I, I got the tail end up. He, he was a little bit energized there, a little bit um, upset about some things. So he's not always happy-go-lucky, is he? He isn't always happy, good lucky, but man, does he bring out the love of football at you. Even if you think about not playing the sport, he will find a way to make you love it again. So we do appreciate that, and that's one of the main reasons why, also as a grad senior, I did want to come back and play for him. JB and I, JB and I always say that we'll run through a wall thanks to uh, speeches like his uh, all the time. So I can only imagine how you guys accept it and uh, kind of flow from that. That said, you know the rest of this. It's time for shout-outs for any fr family, friends, etc. that might be watching. Joey, go first. Come on over. It's all yours. Yes, sir. 
Um, I just got to give a major shout out to the man, my dad, Matt Moriello, the biggest D3 football fan you will ever meet, and my mom. Thank you guys for always supporting me. I appreciate you guys, and I love you guys. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my mom and dad, my two brothers, Luke and Jake, uh, all my friends back home, and every single person I played with here at Salve Regina. And the O-line. Shout out our O-line, because they're the best in New England. Hi, Matt. He's going to love that. I know he is. <laughs> Then uh, the aforementioned Kevin Gilmartin. You heard uh, the reactions from the players about him. Here come the jokes. Always, <laughs> always. Here is Coach. Coach, uh, you know, second chances, unfinished business. I said that to you as the theme of our shows in the preseason. Mm -hmm. and you're like, yeah, that's us. Mm -hmm. What is it right now? Tell, take me through kind of what you feel the unfinished business and second chances might be for Salve Regina right now. Well, first off, we're, we're on a losing streak right now. You know, we lost the last game of the season. So, uh, you know, for, we got to change that. That's the first thing we got to do. And that starts off with the first week. And so that's, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for that one. You know, big picture. You know, we're, we're moving on from the CCC at the end of this year. This is our last chance at it. And we want to we wanna do as well as possible. And, you know, it would be great if we can take that belt home on the, way, on the way out. But we'll wait and see to find out. I mean, that's why every other team, they want to do the same thing this year. But great teams always try to push for it, and that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to push for every win, so we'll find out if we can do one of them. There was already a bullseye on you in the CCC, though, and that's pretty evident from how Western New England came at you. I attended the Endicott game and the energy on each side of that game. Do you feel the bullseye got bigger when the announcement got made? I would think so. I would think so because we're leaving them, and so anytime somebody leaves you, you know, they're the – they're the jilted lover or whatever you want to call it. But, uh, but at the same time, I think that, uh, you know, Salve football, we're pretty good and teams want to beat us anyway. And so, uh, you know, I think every team's going to be pretty hyped up to play us. And so hopefully, uh, hopefully they will and hopefully we'll be pretty hyped up as well. And we'll, we're going to have some pretty fun games this year. I'm pretty sure of that. I've talked a lot to, of, uh, to a lot of coaches about, you know, the COVID year in 2020. But when you look at your COVID year, compounded by your 2021 personally and your family and everything else that happened last year and some of the ups and downs with the football team. Do you feel like you're happy to be in 2022 right now? I mean, how have things been for you and kind of take me back from 2020 forward and kind of the mentality you've had from that point forward? 2020, I mean, that was the COVID year. That was amazing because like you want to play a game, you know, you're practicing so hard for one game and that gets taken away at the end. But at the same time, like in the beginning, you couldn't bond together as a team because we were apart from one another a lot. Then finally we got to practice, but there was spacing within it. So everybody had so much, you know, anxiety during that year. Then we get into 2021 and we can finally start playing again and we're having a good year, you know, and then there's some, like you said, some family situations and my father passed away, you know, and the team rallies around me, which is huge, you know, and that's the, the, the blessing of a family, you know, like it was my father, my family, but then my Salve family steps up and helps us. And our year that year, you know, we got, we lost a game, but then we rally back, you know, and then we continue on and, and then we have a great run of games and then we, we end with the loss. And so it's 100%. It's unfinished business. And the fact that we have so many people that are excited for each other, that's why we have a lot of graduates coming back and everything. And it's, it's huge because we're looking forward to this year. I mean, we got a lot of good players and a lot of guys decided to come back for an opportunity to play together. I, we'll run these out of order, but I saw Blaise Fagiano uh, yesterday uh, in terms of uh, real time of recording these. And we talked about the advantage teams have to have a lot of graduate leadership on the field mm -hmm. back because of the COVID years. Uh, you pretty much have uh, some big players coming back, uh, opting into this whole thing. Mm -hmm. 
but then you look at last year, like you said, you started with a loss, you ended with a loss in the conference, basically, more mm -hmm. or less. I think you, actually, second game, I think it was, mm -hmm. whatever it was uh, last year. But actually, maybe the first. first. Yeah, it was mm -hmm. first. Western New England was uh, right, right off the bat. You're right, man. Don't touch yourself. I know. Don't You're the mayor for a reason. Oh, well, yeah, I don't <laughs> know about all that. Uh, but nonetheless, do you think the leadership has this funny taste in their mouth because of that kind of inverted feel of that season where – you know, a lot of teams are like, we got to start hot, we got to finish hot. On the win-loss record, your team didn't. Right, and I think, I think the, the best part about the leadership is that they are all a little bit older. They get to stay for that extra year, and then we got that senior class. But I think the great things about the leadership is they understand not to look so far down the road, just to look for what's exactly in front of them. I think uh, Joey said at one point in time, you know, it's like, you know, you can't, can't get too full of yourself, can't look too far forward, because you got to take care of what's in front of you at the time. I think having leaders that helps you focus on that moment, be within your moment right there. And I think that's going to make us a better team. We'll see where this uh, season goes. I got one favor to ask of you, though. Okay? Absolutely. Uh, you know, you brought it up. I'm mayor now of a village, the village of Balsam Spa. That's going to probably be my nickname, whether I like it or not, coming up. Uh, JB, we need a good nickname for JB, oh, though. I, I, I'm trying to think of one for the season. That's why I go to you for this. Right. I go to the guitar first. That's the first thing that hit me. Okay. You know? I mean, I'd love to see him singing JB. You know, singing uh, JB, love that. You know, uh, okay. he's not he's not John Bon Jovi, so we don't have you know JBJ. Ooh. You know, Ooh, uh, so uh, you know maybe uh, maybe JB Joe, Joe no singing JB maybe singing JB. I don't know. You put me on the spot, little curveball. I might have to send you shoot you a text or an email about that one. I'm gonna call him the governor of D3. <laughs> How's that? We got the mayor and the governor of D3. You know what you were gonna say. I, I did. <laughs> well, come on. I, I was thinking as I was watching this beautiful waterway behind us mm -hmm. here. Uh, you got a, as scenic a vista here as any school I've seen. So yeah. I see why your players love going to Salve Regina. Right. As uh, you know, we see a lot of great private schools and beautiful, beautiful ones at that. Mm -hmm. But this is very, very at the top of that list. The the beauty of the scenery is what got me here. The people is what's keeping me here. Amen to that. Mm -hmm. Good luck in this 2022 season, sir. Thank you, brother. Thank you. The governor. The governor, James Baker. Uh, That's right. So, CCC. I picked Salve Regina as the winner. Endicott is the team to watch, though. They could probably do it just as well. You picked Salve Regina and UNE. Yeah. Okay, so we, we haven't mentioned them at all in this whole package. Go ahead. Why UNE? Well, I, you know, I think you know, there's, there's some young coaches out there like Bobby Johnson who's really done a nice job developing that offensive line. Um, the school has put in you know, the resources and the blue turf, and, and they, they've had some success on the recruiting trail. Well, I realize I probably should have also thrown um, you know, Curry into that, that bucket too because I have a feeling we might see it in week one when, when they host. A, a, a th they, they're playing MIT on the Friday night of week one. And it wouldn't surprise me if the Colonels won that game necessarily, so time will tell. Throw in a little curry. I mean, you're turning this into a cooking show after all here in your kitchen. Yes, indeed. Some spices over there and all sorts of stuff. Bam. But uh, the CCC, again, another – while we know the main players, we feel, we just don't know really which one of those main players is going to step forward and take the cake on yeah. this. Yeah. I, you know, we fortunately, um, and th mostly thanks to this guy – you know, we did get a little bit of a sense on who's coming back from some of the larger, um, you know, I guess you could say like top 30 or 40 national teams. But there's another 200 schools out there, and we don't necessarily know all of who's coming back. And you know, obviously, you know, Frank found out about 
about Joey. I think also Jack McGuire from Salve is back. Yep. He's an excellent quarterback. So those the, there's a lot more fifth-year senior presence, I think. I mean, even the D3 football preseason All-American team, I would say, was like 70% fifth-year senior guys. So Some of which uh, that I, probably they may not have known were coming back and could have added even more than that, too, in yeah. certain positions. And not to be a spoiler, but we, we did find out about someone who's coming back in Region 3 that will really shake up the national conversation, so stay tuned for that. We'll uh, talk about that in a couple of shows. Yep. But on this show, the MAC, uh, which, as we said, uh, Region 1, kind of a misfit in the uh, regional structure, if you look at the map. Yep. But it is not a misfit in that it's got a lot of good teams in it. Um, look, I've tried to pick against Delaware Valley in the past. I've been made a fool of in the process. I don't know how you pick against them. Mm. You didn't either. Uh, so we both picked Delaware Valley to win. And then uh, we have a split here. I said Stevenson is the team to watch. You said Wilkes. Stevenson, Coach Hoddle, is always ready, willing, and able to get that team going. They have mm. the great facilities to lure players over there and everything else. So Stevenson has a great edge, I think, in the MAC. They just can't get over the hump because of this juggernaut called Delaware Valley. Uh, you, though, pick a different school, Wilkes, Coach Strzok, why? Yeah. yeah, I just feel like, um, you know, Coach Strzok just has a, a track record of a combination of recruiting and, you know, game game planning and just they, they've been on a steady rise up. You know, they've had a couple of tough um, sort of postseason, you know, MAC CC bowl games in the last couple of years. But I just I have confidence in, in Coach Strzok and his staff to, to pull something together that will contend. I mean, you know, we don't really know what's going on at Widener. Um, they open up with, with Rowan uh, in week one. They could be a team that could fit in that category. You know, Stevenson has always been sort of right there at the second or third place spot. So, um, you know, DelVal is the, is the standard, the kind of the cream that rises to the top. But anything, you know, after that is a little bit up in the air. Finally, in the NESCAC, we'll see in week three NESCAC, uh, but just to uh, be official here and complete the list, I picked Williams and Trinity as the team to watch. You picked Trinity to win and Millbury to be the team to watch. Uh, my view is Williams is on a trajectory that I, their momentum will keep them up there, I feel, although, hey, it's been an inconsistent yeah. last few years, Middlebury uh, before them, I believe, and then mm -hmm. Trinity before that. Uh, so it, it's been inconsistent in the NASCAC, but I, I like what Coach Raymond has going on at Williams. Yeah. Trinity for you? I mean, uh, this is a little bit of a, of a biased hometown pick. I mean, Spencer Fetter from here in Orlando, Winter Park, Florida, he's uh, returning after a great season uh, last year. And I just feel like the Bantams have been down a little too long. They, you know, they traditionally have won many of the NESCAC titles over the last decade plus. I feel like this might be the year the Bantams get back on top. And as far as Middlebury, this is Coach Ritter's last ride. We've seen it with like Coach Lackner at, at Carnegie Mellon and other places. That that last year, um, when when people know about it going into it, sometimes ratchets up the, the the effort, and the teams really come through with big seasons for their coaches in the final year. That's Region 1. We'll have our Region 2 show in a few days, Region 3 a few days after that, and our Region 4 through 6 show with Week 1 predictions and previews a few days after that, basically culminating on the Wednesday before the season begins, the day before uh, our first games of the season, which I believe take place on September 1st. Thursday night, yeah. There's okay. about seven or eight games, mostly in, in the Midwest, but uh, we have a lot of Friday night games in the in the East region, and then... Saturday is open season, literally. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you in a few days, folks.